welcome to So You Think You Can Belto. I'm Jessica Harper, a soprano and hot beverage enthusiast based in Antwerp. And I'm Jeremy Bolton, a coffee-obsessed lyric baritone based in Munich. (laughs) Jeremy and I have created this podcast to empower emerging artists across Australia and the world with access to the direct knowledge and relayed experiences of operatic artists and practitioners. We aim to help inform emerging artists with this podcast resource and to hold a mirror to the opera system so that artists can make their own individually informed decisions about auditions, competitions, engagements and more. You'll hear everything from in-depth artist interviews to long-form panel discussions on topics concerning emerging artists. Welcome back to So You Think You Can Belto. My name is Jessica Harper. I'm a soprano and hot beverage enthusiast. And today I'm chatting to the absolutely delightful Sam Sacker. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. I, I feel there's a lot of pressure to be absolutely delightful now. <laughs> well, that's sweet of you. I promise. I only used my phone voice that one time and I'll, I'll go back to okay. normal, normal speaking. Great. From here. Okay, so Sam is, uh, you're an Australian tenor. We love that. Um, You jumped overseas from Australia and you started uh, at the Royal Opera House in the Young Artist Program, the Yetta Parker Young Artist Program. Would you please tell me all about your experience? Yeah, sure. Um, So I I was, uh, I'd had a, I'd had a bit of uh, runs on the board already in Australia, which was great. Um, and I had a lot of experience, um, you know, performing in chorus and also small roles, a couple of leading roles before I, before I ended up on the Yenapaki Young Artist Program. Mm-hmm. And, um, that kind of, it served me really well in that, uh, they, they gave me a lot to do, um, because they, they knew that I'd, um, had a decent amount of stage experience already mm-hmm. and um i i kind of became uh, the world's largest compromario tenor <laughs> uh, but i also was uh, covering like quite a few li- big roles um and then balancing that and with a very heavy schedule for the main house because it the the young artist program is separate from the actual royal opera it's its own uh, charity and its own entity that sort of feeds mm. into the opera but um so they have all their own programs and their own projects um recitals and young artist operas and uh then of course there's all the the training which which is there to to develop um the singers the few singers that are very lucky and get through um so i i found it very difficult being able to manage my workload as a young artist and manage my workload as a you know pretty regular performer for for Covent Garden wow yeah no I mean like in one sense an absolutely unbelievable opportunity but also a real baptism of fire uh definitely oh yeah yeah I mean I I almost broke a couple of times um I uh in one week in I think it was 2015, I sang, I was doing rehearsals for Don Giovanni um, as Don Ottavio. I was performing for the ballet singing Mahler das Lied von der Erde, and I was rehearsing Peter Maxwell Davies' The Lighthouse. And that's, I mean, it was just ridiculous repertoire yeah, to wow. be sandwiched together. And certainly, I don't think there's... Uh, I thought I had really good technique when I arrived, um, 
but uh, I mean, I still had a lot of holes, which I didn't know about at the time. And <laughs> then even on top of that, I still, you know, I don't think there's anyone who could deal with that kind of repertoire and workload. Oh God, no! Yeah. I'd say I'd say not. I mean, I was going to say you say you nearly broke. I'm I'm really impressed that you didn't. <laughs> Bravo! I mean, I just don't know if I could have done that myself. I don't know anyone who could. Well, yeah, I barely barely made it, just by the skin of my teeth. I ended up singing, like I, the lighthouse was not for me, and I sang the whole thing in falsetto because it was just the only way I could get through it. Yeah! And, wow. Um, yeah, that was, it was awful. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was awful <laughs> for the audience and for me. <laughs> no one had a good time. That, well, I mean, you know, no that's one. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. art reflecting life, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Everybody, it's a very scary, spooky story that makes people feel deeply uncomfortable and, <laughs> you know. Yes, it can't I all be fun like and games. I embodied that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's really <laughs> method acting. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Okay. So that is huge. That's a, yeah, really hit the ground running there, but thank you for being so honest. That's amazing. You know, I mean, one of the reasons we started this podcast is because I think certainly in Australia, there's this idea that it's just like, oh, you just like go and sing, you know, and people don't actually understand the level of expertise involved and the level of work and actually just the hours involved. Oh, luck, luck. It's mm. luck. The whole, the whole industry operates on luck, really. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many incredibly talented people who have very solid work ethics, who who are just getting by, are just scraping together a career, um, and it's only luck that actually gets you to that next level of having any kind of security feeling mm. like you have um feeling like you have a trajectory or um or having a trajectory um it really is it's it's luck and it's uh having a good reputation as as a human as much as an artist really yeah. i think yeah wow that's huge i mean well just on that then i mean are there people who were in your because I mean as you kind of touched on the the Yetta Parker Young Artist Program which for those who are listening who are not um opera proficionados that's um proficient that's not a word excuse me aficionados is the, the word a, pr- a proficionado <laughs> is a professional it's, it's a professional yeah. aficionado <laughs> it's yeah. fine guys I'm starting my own dictionary um Sorry, what I meant to say is that for the non-aficionados, a young artist program is a bit like the opera world's version of a paid internship. Um, And they are very hard to get into. Um, But the Yetta Parker one is one of the most competitive in the whole world because the Royal Opera House is, you know, it's top five best opera houses. I would dare to say they're they're all very competitive to get into. Um, the, Mm. The thing about the Yetta Parker is that it's attached to Covent Garden. And when you get into the Yetta mm. Parker, you think, oh, I'm going to be a star. I've made it. I'm going to, you know, yes. I'm on a track now. And, yeah, yeah. and actually, young artist programs are really, they're really, really important. Um, but they, I don't think that, I mean, apart from a couple of, of people, I don't think they make stars. Nobody makes mm. a star. Mm. Um, and that's what we are, are, are fed 
is about, um, you know, you we, we have these star singers, you have Joyce DiDonato's, you have Jonas Kaufman's, and they're all, you know, they're, they're great at what they do, but, um, but, but the star quality is in PR. For, well, in my humble opinion, yeah. the star quality is in PR. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily in, in the calibre of artists because they're, they're a wonderful artist on the circuit working, jobbing, or sitting at home who, who don't have opportunities, um, who, who are fantastic artists but just don't have that exposure. Um, yeah. and, then, and then you have people, you know, Jonas at the moment, I mean, I speak like I, I know him, I don't know him at all. Um, I know of him and, and that, but I mean, he's he's had some vocal problems at the moment, or he's had some sickness at the moment, and mm. and that it costs him more because he's Jonas Kaufman than if he was somebody else when he gets sick. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you're the king of tenors, then you, you're at the apex. You've got a long way to fall down. Yeah, no, it's the other side of that that extraordinary fame. Um, and yeah. ag- again, for yeah. those listening. The it's it, Jonas Kaufmann is the Roger Federer of of the opera world to put that in in a non operatic context, but yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, this sort of uh, the iconic moment a few weeks ago as well uh, with Nadine Sierra, who's also one of the Roger Federers of the opera world, sort of stepping away. Um, she seems to be re-emerging, which is fabulous. But I mean, that you know that does. It doesn't, in some senses, it doesn't surprise me, given what you've just told me, what you just opened with about how much you had to work as a young artist and just the the level and the the constant contract after contract, travel after, you know, everything all at once and it goes for years and years and years and you're chasing the great opportunities, you're chasing the paychecks that come with them. But, I mean, does that, you know, does that come at a cost? kind of thing i mean would you are there people who were in your year at yetta parker who have since left the profession because of these reasons oh uh, you know i don't i don't know in my year i don't think so i think everyone's working at various levels mm-hmm. from from the the years surrounding mine um but i mean it's not uncommon a lot of people do and and i think a lot of people when they um, start to establish a family and get a little older and more mature, I think that they start to realise that, it, look, singing is deeply selfish. It's a deeply selfish thing to pursue mm. because it's it's impossible. If you want to have a family or a partner you, and you are a working singer, either you, you, you're not working and you can't pay your bills Mm. Or you're working and you're paying bills for somewhere that you can't be because you're on the road. Mm. Um, and I think that uh, that um, is quite heavy for a lot of people when they start to have kids. I've got a kid, I love it a bit, and I'm dreading going back on the road uh, later in the year um, and being away mm. from her because... Uh, I miss out on so much. You know, you miss a week, two weeks, a month, six months, and they're a whole different person when you get back, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that and COVID was a catalyst for people making making those strong decisions to, to change their... Or, change their trajectory or to to 
take charge of of their lives. Um, being a singer, you're always waiting for somebody to give you a job. Uh, you know, you can put on your own gigs and that, but you can't make a career without somebody employing you. Um, yeah, exactly. Somebody else employing you. So it's uh, you. You're always ready to jump at an opportunity, um, and I think that that you know in COVID times when there was almost nothing happening, I think a lot of people just went, you know what, actually, um, I'd rather a full a full time job with a steady paycheck and be able to do holidays. Holidays would be lovely to do. Yeah, do I've heard of them. <laughs> I've heard, I don't, yeah. I don't know what that is, but I, I've heard of it. <laughs> I think I had them once yeah, exactly. at school <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> yeah, I've no, had I'm... the best year that I've had in my life and I actually had money that I could go on a holiday. Yeah. And I just actually want to be at home because I've been away since. Oh, completely. Look, no, yeah. I'm a huge October. fan, a huge fan of the staycation, really. Yeah. I just, you know, if I ever get a day where I can just sit at home and read a book and not look at my phone, it's that is heaven for me right now in this moment yeah. in my life. I understand yeah, whole, wholeheartedly. Yeah, no, it's okay. Amazing. Well, so, I mean, I feel like from what I can tell anyway, you're you're becoming more and more in demand, especially since you made the move to, to sort of Wagner. Um, would you call yourself a Wagner specialist, do you think? Or not yet? Or maybe? Or... Uh, I do it. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think for so long, um, you know, when, you, when you're from Australia and um, you're appealing to the gatekeepers to, to give you a chance and then to give you another chance and then to keep employing you, you kind of just want to put your hand up for anything. Mm. Um, and and that didn't change when I even when I was on the young artist program I I was I was doing anything and also I was happy to do anything because mm. I I wanted to totally. to prove that I could um, and and show that I was useful mm. um, but actually it's only now it's not even since I started doing Wagner because I've been trying to get I've been doing I've done a lot of Eric in Fliegende Hollander. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I did a Floristan, which is not Wagner, it's uh, Beethoven, that was mm. in 2020. But um, but it wasn't until I did Tristan and really jumped to the end of of the line mm. in terms of repertoire, I did the big, the big thing that people went, oh, you, you could do all of these other things that should be in between, you know, on the path towards Tristan. Oh, you, yeah. you, you can go back and do those now. Um, <laughs> so... It was it was lucky. It was luck. Yeah. Um, and it was it was all the work that I'd done in preparation. It was all the years of work that I have done that br- brought me to that point. But it was luck that the gig came along, and it was, and I was lucky that actually I could trust myself to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. T- totally. Well, and you know, having heard you sing it and heard. And- not exactly seen you because of the production, <laughs> the, the production that it was, but having heard you With sing it, it was, you know, it was absolutely, stage. yeah, no, I mean, I really wouldn't go back for that production ever again, personally, but the music making, I, I loved, it was absolutely amazing, you know, it was such a pleasure to hear you sing, and also, 
I must say, I mean, I'm no uh, native speaker of German, but my German's pretty good now. And uh, your diction was absolutely flawless, I got to say. Thank you. And I thought it was miles, miles ahead of everyone else. But, you know, that's that's just me. And I'm I'm just a little Australian person. So everyone can take yeah, that. I picked up a lot of... I've picked up a lot of tricks and band-aids in my time. And, um, ah. and when it came to Tristan, I used every single one. <laughs> Amazing. Well, no, you it was, need it. You know, yeah. it's the Mount Everest of tenor repertoire. Huge. I just feel like you just can't even think about, you just have to keep going like a shark. You just go forwards. If Amazing. Something, if something's not, not Amazing. Well, you know, it's funny. Or even if it's shit, you just keep going, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny that uh, exact point has come up a few times now in interviews just about the sort of, you know, uh, when you're growing up and you're you're learning how to sing and how to perform and doing all your Estedvids and whatever and you think, I have to be absolutely perfect and if it's not perfect, it's the worst thing in the whole world and I cracked to that note and blah, blah, blah. But actually, no one cares. Absolutely no one cares. No, perfection is for the studio. Exactly. Perfection is for when you're, you're coaching with, you know, whoever yeah. the coach is that you're working with who is a, a ball breaker, who <laughs> wants to make you work really hard and be exacting and get mm-hmm. everything 100%. But once you're on the stage, it's about a performance. And and it doesn't matter. It's, it's actually the imperfections that make a performance exciting. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and, and if you are worried about something that you have sung, it's already out of your mouth. It's, or, it's already gone. It's yeah. left you. you. You can't hold on to it anymore. All you can do is, is be prepared for the phrases that are coming up. Um, Absolutely. And, and have a healthy mindset and know exactly what, what you would like to do in mm. the phrasing. Um, mm. and, and then that facilitates, you know, I like to think of uh, singing as um, it's it's you are reaching for, for perfection all the time, but you have to realize that you're never going to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, think about it. Have you ever in your life had a conversation, perhaps ex- with the exception of being in a very beginner's language class, where you've thought very hard and very exactingly about what you're going to say, you know? I mean, I think most of us, yeah. we just let words pour out of our face. Exactly, um, exactly. And singing is, and is actually, pretty much the same thing. I find I identify more with the music at the notes than I do with text. Mm. Um, and of course, I know what the text is that I, I should be singing, but I feel it's the intention of the text, as mm. particularly in Wagner, where mm. it's all of this... Um, you're just not even German. It's it's Wagner German. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's this ideology text that you're spouting out. I mean, it's just gobbledygook half of it. <laughs> but but the intention is in the is in the phrasing. The intention is in the notes. Absolutely. Um, and and in everything underneath you and around you from the orchestra. And I find that when I focus on that, I find I'm conveying the text better. Absolutely. That's so true. It's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the magic of, of music in and of itself is, is the, the conveying of those intentions. And yeah, Wagner mm. is, I mean, you know, act two of just, it's just the sexiest music I've ever heard. Second only perhaps mm. to act two of Valkyra, which is, 
a similar vibe, you know, with Zieg- Siegmund well, and Sieglinder. As a Siegmund, I prefer the Act One, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sorry, is it Act it's One? It's all Excuse about me. the tenors, isn't it? It's all about I know. The tenor. Oh my, are you a tenor? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I mean, look, you know, Wagner is, is a genius for many, for many uh, reasons, but yeah, I think it's his musical texture is, is probably the, the main thing that keeps everyone so obsessed with him. So can I just go back to that point you said about, um, you know, you feel like you went to the finish line for tenors and now everyone says, oh yeah, you can fill in all the blanks. Um, that's very interesting because yeah. as you as you alluded to, usually it's okay. You sing um, Mozart for this many years, and then maybe you might sing slightly heavier bel canto or Puccini some verismo, you know, things with a slightly thicker orchestration, and then you move into the world of Strauss, uh, as in Richard Strauss, and and you know maybe Wagner, depending on the voice type, depending on the life trajectory, depending on all of the things. Um, do you have any? sort of dream roles that are on on that list or do you not really mind as long as you're making music and telling stories well i think um number one i kind of want to dispute this this idea of the trajectory <gasps> of repertoire. tell me everything um because uh number one i don't think that there yes in the past there was that there were people who cultivated singers mm-hmm. but I, I personally don't think that there are many... I think I've met two or three people in positions that can can um, give these opportunities, but I've only met two or three people who actually are aware of singers, singing and repertoire and are interested in cultivating singers with a trajectory to get them to specific repertoire. I think now... The industry is so different to what it was in the early 2000s, even, Mm. um, that there's much more immediacy. Casting is about, okay, we've chosen our repertoire. Now we're going to find a singer to slot into it, as opposed Mm -hmm. to we have these singers and and they would be really good in this repertoire. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that really singers should be identifying young singers and I don't just mean young like age-wise but you know people who are ready to be working Mm. you need to know what roles you can do right now and you should be learning the roles not the arias not just the highlights you need to know the whole role so that in the in the event that somebody else goes down you go oh I know this one Mm. Um, I could jump in because that's I mean really my entire career has come from from jump-ins with varying degrees of immediacy Uh and even the the Tristan in Nancy that was a jump in I think I had five months um, to learn it before we started rehearsals in Tristan terms is a really short amount of time I think most people take a year to two, one to two years to get them yeah. voices around yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. So again, luck. I was very lucky that mm. I could. Um, yeah, so it's... Um, I think that it's it, it serves singers to, to take control over their repertoire instead of, again, this thing that I said before about 
you know, we're waiting for people to give us a job. Mm. Um, yes, that is true. The gatekeepers are the ones who have the opportunities to give out. Mm. But if you already know Countess and a Countess goes down, well, then it's a lot easier to be picked by a gatekeeper. Yeah, absolutely. If you can just ring and say, oh, I can do that. That's that's yeah, or, yeah, no, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I had that exact uh, situation last year in, in Magdeburg, actually. I was I was in heading to Berlin anyway, which is about an hour away. And they, I mean, it, you know, slightly different. It was for Malafia, like the fourth symphony, which is only a sort of 10, mm. 11 minute soprano solo. But I'd performed mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. a few months earlier and someone in the office um knew me and and rang me and said oh you told me that you might be in berlin around this time can you are you a doing that and b can you come to magdeburg and i said yes 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 so you know it's yeah yeah, exactly it's just right place right time sort of right place right time and that you've already done the the hard work Exactly. I mean, it was funny because I had I had done it with music the first performance because uh, with the orchestra in Antwerp because they said, oh, you know, please, you're welcome to use music. And I, I had about 60,000 other things going on in the two weeks around mm-hmm. that. So I just thought, you know what, I do know this, but I'd rather just have hold the music and look at it once or mm-hmm. twice if I have to. And then, of course, I got to Magdeburg and they said, OK, so uh, you're going to do this blocking and you can't take music on with you. So da-da. and I thought, oh, OK. Fine. Okay, fine. my feet just went up. Exactly. And, you know, and this is with about 12 and a half hours of notice. And so I just sat in the room and I said, this will be fine. And I will know this. And it was fine. And I did yeah. manage to do it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can just yeah. decide to not. <laughs> exactly. You, you have to uh, train yourself to, um, to, to have things in, not only in your mind but have it in your body and to have it in your voice mm-hmm. uh, so that when you are in these critical situations where you are jumping in, you've got a lot of adrenaline, it's a peak performance moment mm. that actually you can you can um, revert to singing it by rote if that's what is necessary on the day in that moment, you know, when, you, when you're in stress. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not advocating for learning things by <laughs> rote or only singing things by rote, but but you have to have every um, trick in your armory at your disposal for absolutely. when you are in in a critical situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and even just an ordinary performance is a critical situation, um, let alone if it's a jump in or an audition. God, auditions awful. Ugh. <laughs> yes no it's um yes auditions are rough well and also actually i think after we all had a a a universe enforced break of two years and there were very few auditions going around i mean i certainly noticed i lost a bit of audition fitness it's you know it's Mm. great when you get to a point where you sort of stop caring and then you're probably going to do your best singing (laughs) but that for me that really was it on on a few different occasions I stopped giving a shit. Amazing. And I felt a leap in my in my ability or in my performance standard, um, if not a, you know, ability. Like I, I really maybe it's just because I'm an old fart now, but I really just <laughs> debatable. Don't but okay. Give a shit. I don't care if somebody likes me or not anymore. 
I don't I don't go into an audition trying to make somebody like me or trying to convince them to give mm. me something. I just go in and I sing and I sing for myself. And if it's not in, if it's not good enough for them, well, that's fine. I probably wouldn't have liked working for them. Well, um, yeah, I mean that's great. That's a fantastic attitude to have. Yeah, it's the, I I stole that from God. What's the guy from Breaking Bad? Brian. Oh, you know, I've never seen Breaking Bad. It's it's very it's not good. Oh, I'm, we have to. <laughs> that's my if I ever get COVID again, that's one of the the series on my list. I mean. You know, I watched Game of Thrones and the only thing I felt when it finished finally was was an amazing sense of liberation. So I realised that long series were not suited to me anymore. So, yes. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. That's him. Brian Cranston. And he's, yeah. he, he talks about auditioning. Your job isn't to go in and audition. Your job is to go in and give a performance. Yeah, amazing. Um, and that's what people want. They want somebody... They, they want someone to to do the job mm. they don't want you to fail they don't want you to be no. shit they want they want somebody to be terrific well yeah they want you to solve their problem for them their problem is i need to exactly. cast someone in this role and then if you can come and solve that problem and they can go to lunch they'll be thrilled <laughs> exactly 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 yeah. that's amazing yeah. okay so you've kind of already touched on a lot of the the questions that i had but i mean do you oh God. I'd love to sort We've of got all this time left <laughs> exactly. and I don't have a lot of jokes <laughs> no that's fine that's absolutely fine um I was wondering if you in in your your travels and your gigs and all of the wonderful things you've done with your career so far have you noticed any traits in the rehearsal room in particular that you think have let a singer down or you think have really helped a singer Mm, I don't um, I don't know directly an answer to that but I can mm. tell you from my personal experience I I always in a rehearsal room I feel a degree of threat Interesting. my ideas I feel are threatened um, and I have to something I've learned to do uh, is that I need I have to just say yes to whatever, whether it's a musical idea, a staging idea, a story idea, I just ha I have to say yes to it now, and then I have to reconcile it afterwards. And maybe that's just the way I work. <coughs> um, maybe there are other people like me, but or, or maybe everyone's like me. I don't know. But um, I uh, I take time to process ideas. I feel like I need to be fed lots of information. I'm very happy for someone to stand and talk to me about a character or about a scene or about intricacies, put all that information into me and then wind me up and, and let me go and give it, mm. and give it a go and layer things in mm. slowly um, rather than sort of doing for two hours and never finding any meaning or specificity. Yeah. Yeah, I totally um, get that. It's really hard to find a reason to do something if you if you can't understand why you're supposed to be doing it. It's yeah, it's a big block. Mm. And uh, I, uh, uh, along with this sort of threatened, like ide ideas threatening thing that I I just mentioned before. I find it really hard if a director is sitting behind a desk, just sort of um, 
pointing at you or just telling you that something's not right. Mm. I, with, I've had some really great directing experiences recently, regardless of whether I connected with the actual ethos, but, the, but more about the way that the person communicates, because I think mm. that is really what, what makes an, an amazing director, is about how they communicate with the actor and therefore how the piece communicates to the audience. Um, yeah. And having somebody coming up and inviting you and demonstrating things, I think there's a lot of people who don't demonstrate mm. what they want. And so you're always fighting to find something that you can't, um, you, you can't actualize yourself. Because mm. you, maybe it's because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a mimic. Um, and so that uh, also, you know, that aspect is fulfilled by that when, when I... No, I mean, I th- that's, that's a that really way. fair point. I mean, I, you know, it's sort of, I've found as well that there are some, <coughs> I mean, be it a director or a conductor or a coach or whoever, sometimes they expect you to sort of read their mind, uh, you know, because not, yeah. not, you know, it must be said, not everyone has the gift of communicating their ideas, you know, there are some who yes. are brilliant and there are some who aren't and then they get frustrated and it's, yeah, that can be really tricky. And, but that then denotes their, you know, their, like how good, it doesn't matter how well you feel the music, if you are a conductor or a soloist or, or how well you know the piece as a director, it doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are, if you can't communicate with the people around you to construct something collaboratively together, uh, then, then you're it you are compromised in in your position mm. um and uh if you go if you look from a point of view of you know what my idea is is um is exact is perfect mm. uh, and you you can't be inclusive with the people who are around you and particularly when you get to something like wagner where there's you know there's a hundred people in the pit yeah 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 who actually they have the majority of the story the psychology and and setting um is with them if they aren't clued in with what is going on on stage and what the nuance of the music is denoting in in those three things the the psychology the setting and, and um and story then you miss out on all of these layers in in what you're you're communicating to the audience yeah. Um, and so if you have somebody at the pinnacle of that who can't um, collaborate and can't communicate, I've, I think that um, it really compromises the, the end product. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose then what the answer to that question, you know, that I asked you is sort of, and it's not just for the, for the singer either, it's, it's for everyone in the room is that you have to be able to collaborate and you, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, that's... It's and you have to be open. Yeah. You have to be open to other people's ideas and what other people are doing. And, mm. yeah, and also well, it has and to be okay. You have to be okay to fuck up. Like, yeah, oh, really. God. Yeah. And I do it a lot. Yeah. So you've got to be okay with me fucking up. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's often where you find, you know, I mean, there's that, that element of play with what we do. I mean, sometimes you throw out an idea <coughs> and it sucks. And sometimes you throw out an idea and it's brilliant. You keep it in 
in the the, th- the performance or whatever. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I find. I think about the collaboration thing a lot with pianists. You know, like there are two types of piano player, classical piano player. Anyway, there's the kind who are you know soloist or nothing, which is fine. And then there are mm-hmm. the kind that sort of think, okay, sure, I can play however much Liszt and Rachmaninoff that you want me to, but um, you know, I'd really rather not sit in a practice room for eight hours by myself every day. And so they move into mm, the collaborative mm. space. And that's the thing, that's, mm. you know, what we, at the end of the day, what we do is such a collaborative art form. It's interesting as mm. well, you know, but going back to what you said. Even the soloist has to show, you know, in a, in a concerto, the, the soloist mm. has to show the rest of the orchestra, you know, when they come back in and how they, uh, um, how they work together you know a a soloist is not any good if if they what you can't shine as a soloist if you're battling uh your orchestra or you're battling you know your colleagues it it just um how do you make art with people who who don't understand each other or are unhappy it's it's impossible yeah that's very sage yeah, advice. You're just ticking boxes. Well, exactly. Just going through the motions. But I mean, that's not art, though, is it? Yeah. That's <laughs> no, that's it's it's Google. You're on Google Maps. You got your map, <laughs> your score, and you just you just go. You're just going through it, and you know you're yeah, not intoning things, nice. and and then people can't. You know, particularly in something like Wagner, and it's there's so much, so many layers. Um, people find their own uh they they have something they want to project onto it as much as there is something there as well and even then people people can't project onto something that they don't um they don't uh that doesn't resonate with them well exactly yeah no you have to yeah. find that's that's our work isn't it you got to find some some <clears throat> way to, to to identify with the story of a character and hook into that so that you can make good art. So yes, yeah, so we've touched a little bit on on things that you want to see change, changing in the industry. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable uh, position no, no, or no. get you sued or anything. But look, the the really interesting thing for me is that I started in the chorus at Opera Australia in two thousand and eight, and what I saw as the industry then is grossly different now, and the things mm. that were acceptable then are not at all acceptable now and they really weren't acceptable then either yeah it's just that a lot of things were hidden i know i mean there's been a big transition and i think that now um it's the young leaders in the field who should be given the opportunities to lead because uh they're more in touch with what are acceptable standard practices and they're more in touch with the audiences and they i think that they're more passionate than people who have, have been browbeaten for years and years waiting for their turn um to lead uh yeah. no offense to them but but we need passion we need excitement we need people who are really engaged yeah. um, and, and and we need artists we need artists in charge of things, smart artists, business people, artists. That's yeah. who we really, really need. And they're there. And they're of our generation and, and just slightly above. 
um, well, yeah. and, and they're, they're ready. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, you know, in one sense, I get it. You know, there's an attractive paycheck involved with being at the very, very top echelon of running an opera house anywhere in the world. But it's, yeah, it's it's such a sort of dynamic art form. The paycheck, I, I think, for the, work, for the work that they do or for the work that they should be doing, um, the paycheck is not really commensurate, I don't think. Um, I don't think mm. anybody in this industry does it for the money. Um, maybe Jonas. Um, <laughs> no, no. But, <laughs> and if you're trying to get in if, it for the money, go be an influencer. <laughs> You'll make a lot more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, on a money front, I mean, it's, it's terrible. You've got lots of major companies in the world who have major, major financial problems. And that was, that was even before COVID. And mm. now COVID's at least another 30%. Yeah, of financial yeah. strain look at the Met the poor Met and they, they can't sell out standard repertoire the, the stuff that they're selling the most of is modern rep which I find really interesting I also find that really interesting well I mean but there's something to be said I mean like don't get me wrong La Boheme got me into this industry and I will always love it but if I'm in New York for whatever reason I feel like going to the opera and what's on tonight is La Boheme and what's on tomorrow is, um, you know, Dead Man Walking or or something else, you know, modern or um, Ankhnata, Ankhnata, it was, it's this Akna, name. Akhnaten. Yeah, Akhnaten, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd, I'm 100% going to go and see that. Personally, you know, I'd much rather yeah, see something else. Well, I'm a cynical old fuck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, unless I can go back in time and see Franny and Pav, like, I don't really oh. want to see the majority of standard repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> but that's well, yeah, just me because yeah. I'm a cynical fuck. No, no, that's that's fine. No, it's Actually, it, look. It must be said. I mean, we can all be a lot more uh, discerning in some ways because we have access to so many recordings, and everyone is always recorded all the time. Um, so, yeah. I mean, part of me thinks that the standard of singing, in many ways, has uh, got a lot better because simply because singers oh, really? can reliably record themselves and make more discerning choices about how to get better. But at the same time, oh, see, I disagree completely. Well, you know, I mean, but so I was going to say it goes both ways. Like on the other hand, there's also some dreadful singing going on, but please tell me I more. I think we spend much more time on listening to ourselves than people in the past. Yeah. I think that there, it would have been much more sensation based in the past. I mean, take, taking it from the view of, you know, when, when you're singing yourself, you can't hear the actual sound, the ambient sound yeah. that you're creating. Mm. So there's, there's only one way you can know that you're making a pleasing, happy sound in the space, and that's to have a se separate pair of ears out in the space and, and an, an yes. acoustic set of ears, not a digital set of ears, because Absolutely. even that is limiting in the spectrum that it captures. Um, yes, yes. I, I, I think that the recordings have done terrible terrible things for the industry and terrible things for singing technique because the voices that are that are, are held up now are voices that record well and i don't think that yeah. all voices record well that's totally true that's completely true i've heard plenty of voices live and thought that is honestly one of the most beautiful things i've ever heard and then you hear it on a recording and you just think, is it the, 
you know, what? Like you, and it's the, oh, I've even heard, you know, I've, I went to something live and someone had a recording from, from backstage that they then played me because mm. um, they were in the chorus or whatever. And it sort of sounded Mm-mm. pretty dreadful by comparison. I thought, you know, how is it that this is the same, the same moment, the same experience? I mean, it's, mm. yeah, so mm. as you say, mm. but I mean, that's a really, really salient point that you made there actually about the, you know, the trusted pair of human ears um, telling yeah. you and yeah. also the singer trusting the sensation of knowing okay this is the correct exactly. technique this being is able to marry mm. if you can marry the sensation with when somebody tells you that that is the right sound to be producing yeah so that so that somebody's saying yes that's that is correct now lock in that sensation you have to map map your your physicality and your voice and your sensation so that you can replicate what somebody who you trust has said is yeah. the correct or, or, or optimal. Yeah. Let's say optimal because, yeah. Yeah, um, what is correct? Because what is correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, optimal is a great word the, to use. The optimal that. sound, yeah. yeah. How does that then track, do you think, with the... So, I mean, you've mentioned a few times that the industry's changed enormously, even over the last 10 years, let alone 20, let alone 40, let alone century. Mm. How does mm. all of what we've just been talking about, vocal technique and optimal sound production, track with the pressures now involved in being a singer in this industry? So, I mean, when I say pressures, I mean... You know, you don't have to just sing beautifully. You have to act convincingly as well. Your diction has to be superb. You have to have a really solid uh, social media presence and marketing, exactly what you were speaking about when we started chatting. Mm. How do you think, do you mm. think, do you think it's that's sort of a reasonable set of expectations to put on the modern working singer or emerging singer? Well, I mean, you look at someone like Nellie Melba. I mean, she was a great, businesswoman as well as singer. Yes, she was. Uh, she, you know, she had that comeback. She had that uh, farewell tour that went on for a good 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that, that, that being business-minded is, is an, I, I think it's essential. I don't think it's unfair to, mm. to put on singers because you know what, like we, we're artists, but we're also business people we are a small business Mm. in ourselves Mm -hmm. um what i think has changed um that puts puts undue pressure on singers is the the expectations of 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 the administrative level and not not what the sing not the singer's administration but um although to some extent I'll, i'll talk about visa stuff but more like an opera house um being bound by their regulations, by their capabilities and by their nine to five working, you know, nine to five, five day a week, you know, weekday bound staff Mm. in an industry where it's actually, you know, it's six days a week or seven days a week and working from 9.30 in the morning until 11.30 at night kind of situation. Uh, yeah, an example of, of that that I mean is um, like I, I'm doing some more Tristans coming up and uh, just because of the availability of the theatre we have 
what what looks like an ordinary opera rehearsal schedule for the final two weeks. But it's Tristan and it's about as long as three operas put together. Yeah. And so the, there's actually, like, I look at the, the schedule and I'm like, how the hell are any of us going to survive it? Because it's not just about the singers, but the violinists. How are they going to survive with doing two stage orchestrals every day for for six days? I beg your pardon, two straight. stage orchestrals every day? Are there two casts? I hope so. No. Hang on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe I'm mixing up. No, no, no. Stage, piano stage and stage orchestrals. But God. we've got... <gasps> That's huge, though. Two That's stage so orchestrals much. daily. Yeah. Mm. I think there's... And then there's a a run. There's a piano run. Sorry, there's a piano run, an orchestral run, and then... So, a pre-general, and then the general. Oh, my God. And then we have one day off, and then a matinee opening... <sighs> Wow. And it's like, well, that's, there's just no way that I will be singing for all of that. It's, it's well, no. impossible. Yeah, I mean, and to put this in context for non-singers, that is... is I, it's I'm like not, running it, a marathon exactly, every day. Exactly, and that is, that is truly not an exaggeration. In preparation for the marathon. Yeah. 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 As someone who, who goes to the, the gym and <laughs> trains a lot as well, uh, I really can compare the two in some sense and as somebody it's... who has never set foot in a gym <laughs> I can't no but that's fine <laughs> it's not for yeah. everyone you know it's yeah. not certainly not for me no, no and that's, that's I, totally I did 40 cool. laps today to the refrigerator that was great I love that for I'm you really that's really brilliant good about... oh, yeah good oh, that's beautiful actually I did pull a muscle in my shoulder that's been excruciating but I'm sorry I have my good friend Codeine and um, yes I'm functional again. That's brilliant. Well, that's helpful. I mean, you know, as a parent, you will be pulling muscles in your shoulder, lifting up small child. Oh, so that's... She's not small. Yes, yeah, not small. small. She's a Daily. She's, <laughs> she's definitely a Brunhilde. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so um, I just wanted to touch on briefly before I let you go... I know that mm. I, this is kind of a bit of a, a sort of a change in, in tact a little bit. Um, there are a few competitions that you've done in your life. Um, mm. I, I'm finding that they are, to my chagrin, still quite important, um, you know, in an emerging artist's life. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you, do you think they had any particular impact um, on your career and how how well it's going, or do do you do, do you sort of just do them because that's what you do when you're a singer in Australia? Um, competitions are a tool, mm-hmm. um, and by tool I don't just mean a penis because they are a real dick, but uh, <laughs> also they are a tool to be used for singers without a mindset of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a, a, a platform for uh, putting, putting yourself out there. And if you think that you are ready and if you think that you have five good arias um, that you can put at a very high standard, um, then they're a great way to showcase your talent. Mm. Um, and, that's, and that's what they showcase. They showcase talent. 
uh, and not as much hard work because, well, there are some competitions where, where it's very substantial programs, yeah. but particularly in Australia, they're much smaller. Um, yeah, well, because they're mostly and, ARIA-based. I mean, the, the leader competitions that you find, uh, the art song ones that you find in Europe are a lot heavier, a lot heftier in the preparation stages, I've found. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. And even things like Carter Singer of the World, you have to have a larger operatic repertoire um, fielded for multiple rounds. Yes. Um, and even in the final round, I think you, ha- you do... F- four or five or maybe yeah, it's, it's a 20 a 20 minute do as much as you recital yeah. or something but it's i mean you know that's that's yeah. four or five arias back to back typically which is a yeah. big a big um athletic vocally and it's athletic a huge feat. ask yeah yeah but i think pati- most competitions where it's only one or two arias um i think that they're really only showing off uh talent mm. i think that there are a lot of very talented people and I think that, and knowing that there's only one winner or a couple of prizes, I think that it's very easy to go into a competition to win and, and be a fine, be an exceptional, be the best singer there and still not walk away with a prize. Mm. Um, because of the nature of what competitions are and without thinking beyond your own performance as the the metric because there are panels of people who who sit and they each have a set of ears and they each sit in a different seat and they each have their own baggage yeah and they each have their <laughs> own opinion or asshole or quite often it's yeah and they had both. great sleep last night or they had terrible sleep last night <laughs> yeah and, and no matter how well you sing they sang better back in their day <laughs> definitely oh but you know what I, I just i heard um, i heard pavarotti sing it and i just can't get him out of my head so it doesn't help me either, yeah does it? <laughs> exactly oh when i did this back in yeah yeah I'm not poo-pooing their achievements and that sort of thing, but I, f- I find a lot of people who sit on uh, panels for competitions to be uh, out of touch with the industry. They have absolutely no idea what the pulse is in the industry now. Um, and they're, they're very quick to self-congratulation. <laughs> that said, sorry, sorry to all of those people who I'm friendly with who have sat on competitions. Um, but... Uh, at the end of the day, only only one person is going to walk away with the top prize, mm. and you can't let um, the the bureaucracy and diplomacy that happens in a judging room uh, cement your personal value, um, and nor can you make it. Uh, change your trajectory on your path. There's only one person or two people who really know you and your voice Um, and people will always have an opinion about what you're doing and how to make it better without knowing the story and without knowing what it took to get you onto the stage that day in that particular moment to sing. Um and you can't you i i think that we um we're conditioned to take feedback in studios 
and from coaches and when you're in an environment where it is a learning environment and then something like a competition it can be a learning environment but it's it's not a safe environment yeah and it's it's again one of these critical um performance situations you um you can't you shouldn't i don't think people should invite criticism and by criticism i i'm leaning into critique mm. um of of what they do in those situations because i i find that that's where somebody plants a seed for that little voice that goes no you're not good enough or this wasn't good enough yeah. or you won't be able to do this yeah. um yeah and so i think a competition when i say that it's a tool you should be using that to test your metal to this knowing that it is a not very nice environment and that's not to say that the people there aren't nice but it's just not it's it's not nice to be competing with songs which really mm. how can you compare mm. them like what which song is better when when you're down to people of equal talent uh just with different voice types uh, as a helden tenor well i i call myself a helden tenor re- reluctantly i just sang <laughs> fucking tristan so i guess i'm a helden tenor but as a helden tenor and i go in and i sing one of those competitions my repertoire is not exciting but there's only a handful of people in the world who can sing tristan yeah. so i'm infinitely more employable yeah. than a light lyric soprano who can sing a really pretty tweety bell song yeah, 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 with all the as, fancy As exacting theory. as yeah, it may be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it's uh, a, a competition should be something that you use for, okay, I'm going to test out my arias and I'm going to do them, these are my audition arias. Yeah. Or I'm going to do this and I know I'm going to get a recording and then yeah. I can use the recording when I do my young artist applications. Yeah, um, Or I'm going to do the competition because I know that the people on the panel may or may not be able to give me opportunities, performance opportunities, um, or that there's somebody else in the audience who's going to give you an opportunity, gatekeepers. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Lurking. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you do, you do actually never know who is going to be in that room. You know, I, I had that recently. I gave a concert at an art gallery and there was someone in the room who had, you know, I mean, luckily I sang well that day, but this, you know, this person has quite quite significant connections and, you know, offered to, to be quite helpful. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that goes anywhere. But, I mean, I sort of thought, oh, okay. I just thought I was singing to some people out on a lazy Sunday yeah. wandering around a gallery. Yeah, you never know who's there. You just you never, never know. know. You never know. And uh, But also it doesn't matter if there's somebody there who can do something for you or not. Mm. Um, you're getting up and you're using a program that you've put together that you can use again. Yeah. And so therefore you are finding nuances, you are shaping it in ways that, that you hadn't, hadn't necessarily thought of before. You're, you're taking the audience with you and you've gotten a performance opportunity, which is again, a tool to building your, your performing. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and just getting, I've been very lucky. I've had lots of performance opportunities to be able to fuck up, to get better at performing. Mm. Um, and and it's hard to get performance opportunities. Full stop. Yeah. To be able to get to be better at performing, you have to convince people to let you perform in the first place. So you have to be good at it to some <laughs> degree. Oh yeah, totally. So it's it's this vicious cycle, and that's why a competition is good because you pay your money and they have to let you get up and perform at yes. least in the first round. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I for me also they've just been quite a useful and at the end of the day when you crunch the numbers quite a financially viable audition for multiple places you know I have had some offers for you know if I've made semi-finals you know sometimes I get offers from people to come and audition for certain things in certain houses um as well which is also yeah it's just really useful if you know that there's 11 good houses being represented on the jury whether or not everyone turns up uh remains to be seen or sometimes they're only there for the final or they're only there for the first round and semi-final and they have to leave or whatever but it's yeah i do think they can be quite quite useful but i mean exactly what you say it's really important to remember that it is just a competition it's just another performance um, it's just another performance. Yeah. It, well, it, it's not even just, it is another performance. It's great to have a performance because you're only as good as your last performance and yeah. your next performance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I only won one competition that I've done, really. Mm. Mm. Um, and that was a Wagner competition, actually, very luckily. And it was with a, an incredible panel of... Uh, I had Dame Gwyneth Jones, who was massive, um, wow. massively important Wagnerian soprano. Um, mm. Dame Janet Baker, who was massively mm. important uh, mezzo soprano. Mm. Uh, Dame Felicity Lott. There's a lot oh of dames. God. There ain't nothing like a dame. There ain't nothing like a dame. Uh, she was a beautiful performer herself. And then there were two very important uh, people. Um, who who were casting gatekeepers and I and they they gave me first prize which was lovely and it was it was wonderful to have that validation from val and yeah validation that's something we should come back to but validation from esteemed singers who I um who I value and therefore I value them giving me this this prize um, oh my god, mm. the neighbor's cat has just jumped up onto the windowsill and he's so cute. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, the cat, never got cats a job. are very important. I, I never got a job out of it. And in fact, the casting people who were there, like, had opportunities to, you know, send me in, send me in coach kind of situations. And, and they weren't interested or they had other people higher up on the list. Wow. Um, and that's you know it just it just is it is what it is every time you yeah. know you, you never know it doesn't matter if you win there are other times where I've gone and I I came second in the the Herald Sanaria competition which was oh my god me too twinsies was, yeah the seconds club <laughs> I came second to lovely Stacey alone beautiful um who had come second three times before oh um, and then she won well, and there we are and then she won get it Stacey um, we love you and of course, I thought I should win. No offense, Stacy, um, but you know I'm <laughs> going to back myself as the hero of my own story. Um, 
but I got a recording out of it and I got a bit of money and it was the recordings that I used for my application for Covent Garden Young Artist Program and um, and I used the money to have two weeks over there and do the auditions um, yeah. and that you know, mattered yeah wow that mattered that mattered uh, yes I, I, I recognize I was lucky enough to to get some money out of it in the first place but um yeah it's you know you just got to you've got to turn you've got to make opportunities out of the you make make better opportunities out of the opportunities that you are afforded yeah that's so true like it's a it's great to get your foot in the door and then do do a thing but you then have to nurture the relationships with people so that they will ask you back again or you know or yeah. they'll just remember you and they think oh yeah that held antenna who I heard, I actually would really love to hear him in the theater singing whatever, you know, because I need yeah. him for this role, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, or, I mean. Or, or even, you know, it's always good to invite people to, to see you perform when it's something that you are proud of, yeah. something that you are confident in yourself with. People will very rarely show up, even if you give them a free ticket. Yeah. Don't ever pay for a ticket for somebody that you invite for <laughs> yes, who's a yes, cut because yes. the odds are that they won't show up. Yes. But, um, but it's always good to invite those people because you never know who might just happen to come anyway. Yeah, um, absolutely. And always, with every time you perform, it doesn't matter whether it's a big thing or a little thing, always get your mobile phone out, put it in the corner and just record you don't even have to have video just even just audio i can't tell you how many times there's been some song or aria that i was particularly happy with the way that i did it that day and um and i've just used that for applications yeah or used that to send to someone saying you know this is me last week um yeah. you know uh not asking not asking for feedback because I don't think it's healthy to ask people for feedback because you're just inviting people to disqualify you for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, yeah. like why they haven't hired you. Well, it's because they had somebody else already, but now they have to tell you why they wouldn't hire you Oof. and you've asked them to tell you. Yeah. Um, but just always record. You just never know. It might be the very best singing that you've ever done on on a crappy recording quality that's that but people can hear the great singing even if the recording yeah. quality is crap yeah and if it's hey this is my recording of whatever donna anna or something <coughs> and they think oh yeah my donna yeah. anna just just dropped out yes amazing you said you wanted to go yeah. back to validation can you tell me why yeah validation tell me everything. yeah because um <coughs> because i think that um as singers what we because we are the instrument Mm -hmm. um, I think that we, uh, our value, our self value is very easily challenged when we present something, uh, and, and somebody else doesn't like it for whatever reason. Mm. They were hungry. You wore the wrong color shirt, open toed shoes. Fuck <laughs> me. The number of times. People would get told off wearing open-toed shoes at, at workshop at Queensland Con. Why does anyone like, care? Yeah, why does anyone care? What if my toes are beautiful? <laughs> um, 
you know, like you have to know what you want. You have to be strong in yourself to take the criticism, the necessary criticism and critique to get to where you want to be. Um, but you don't have to take any extra. Yeah. And you don't have to let it permeate who you are just because it's about the way you sang a song. It's just singing. Yeah. It's just singing. It's air. <laughs> like it's, it's only as valuable as we intone it. So you don't have to leave a pint of blood on the stage. You don't have to cry your eyes out, you know, in, in portraying emotion. Like you need, you do need to reserve something for yourself yeah. and walk this knife edge between self-delusion, which protects you from cr- criticism yeah. and, and, um, and utter, um, humility, which you need to be able to get better. You have to be able to recognize what is something critique that is, is going to help make you better or something that is going to threaten you as the instrument or you as mm. the artist. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. No, I love that. That's that's such important insight. Thank you so much for sharing. Is yeah, there any No, go. And someone me. might say someone might say something to you one day that um that you take offense to or that hurts you, but actually on another day, you can understand what it is that they're actually saying, mm. because we all we all have our own jargon, and and it may hurt more when you can't be open to to a, a more um, objective reading yeah, of someone's absolutely. critique. Well, but that's also because day to day, how much have you slept? What else is going on in your yeah. life? You know, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. The, the human condition, right? And no, it's, yeah. I, I sometimes... And, and generally listen. people don't want to hurt someone with their yeah. comments, but there are some people who do. Yes. There are. And you have to be able to, to let it water, water off a duck's back, mm. to quote Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, Absolutely. Amazing. Sam, is there anything else you'd like to say that you haven't said already? Um, if I sound like I take myself very seriously, I don't. <laughs> and I mean, you're a ten. I don't worry. I, we all knew that. It's fine. I, <laughs> I, am, I am relatively low maintenance for a tenor. That's that true. You absolutely are. Yeah. A low ma- that doesn't make me low maintenance, though. It just makes me That's low good. maintenance for a tenor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is, are there truly, are there any singers, any opera singers uh, who are legitimately low maintenance? <laughs> I'd argue we're a special breed. So. Mm, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Even the one, there was one who I thought was, but actually she's a big star now and she's not. Um, no, I don't think that there are any low maintenance opera singers. Yeah. Just also, like, no, we're all fucked up. We're all so fucked up. Everyone in opera is so fucked up. Like, why we feel that we have to, why we, why we feel this ancient art form resonates with us mm. is really fucked up. <laughs> um, like, it really is. 
like the studies about the human voice, like the use of the human voice and like, like it's all like this primal wail or scream. So mm. it's about danger or sadness, mm. mostly. Or joy. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, but a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got the joy, hold on to it, dear, dears, because it, it can fly away very quickly. Good to know. It is wonderful. <laughs> it, is, it is wonderful to work in opera. Mm. I count myself very lucky, especially after COVID, yeah. when I thought everything was done. I'm very, very, very lucky to still um, be be in the game. Mm. Um, but if you don't like, if you don't like a hard slog, and if you don't, and if you are quick to to be upset or feel personally threatened, like it does make it a lot harder to mm. play this game. Yeah, mm. that's amazing. All right, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. We'll add all of your social media biographies and all of your details to the podcast uh, show notes and people can find you there. So thank you for giving me so much of your time. A pleasure. Thanks, Jess. No worries. Um, have a beer soon. Thank you so much for listening to So You Think You Can Belto. We thank the artists who have donated their time to make this information available to our audience. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on social media. Our handles and links are in the episode description. If you have a topic you'd like covered, a question you'd like answered, or you'd like to recommend a guest, please get in touch with us at soyouthinkyoucanbelto at gmail.com. You can also support us with a little donation which will go towards thanking our interviewed artists. Ciao a tutti! Ciao!